Welcome everyone to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy old man, how's your week this last week? Uh, it's been okay. Um, everyone has been working home in my house, which puts a cramp in my style. I mean, I work from home normally, but uh, the other minions who are in my family, they usually go out into the world. But, you know, what's going on with coronavirus, uh, if you have the ability to work from home, that's what they want you to do. And that's putting, like I said, a crimp in my style, uh, having my wife here and my young son. It's oh, like, gosh. like a mess center in our house. I can only imagine, and I'm sure they're not having fun either with the daily doses of grumpy old man now being increased. I can only imagine grumpy. No, that is incorrect. Matter of fact, their days have been enlightened uh, since they get to see me more regularly all day long. I think it's it's something that's really good for them. <laughs> oh, goodness, grumpy old man. Um, well, another week without hockey, another week without sports in the books. Um and grumpy old man, I guess the first thing I want to talk about, there was some Islander news actually that came out. First of all, that is not true. I had some ant races in my backyard uh, this week, and uh, the red one beat the blacker one, um, beat him, you know, across the patio. So it was pretty impressive. You know, that's one of those things I never like really learned a lot about as a kid. I always wondered, like, uh, obviously they're different species, but what differentiates the red ant from the black ant? You know what I mean? They're all over the place. There's 100,000 different types of ants, but it's like, I never really knew. It was like, you got a, a red ant colony, black ant colony, bad, who knows? I don't know. You get bit by a red one, it hurts more than if you get bit by a black one. I can tell you that much. <laughs> uh, that's true. Those fire I, ants are something else. That could just be where I live. So who knows? I was about to say, I can't remember the last time I've been bitten by a fire ant. It's got to be a long time. I feel like that's something you do as a kid. Like you accidentally put your foot in an ant mound and they just start crawling up and biting you. Well, maybe you should have got yourself a magnifying glass and burned them out when they tried to come out of the hole. Focus that beam on there and just smoke them when they come out of that hole. You could have done that too. Why does it not shock me, grumpy old man, that you were the type of kid that would be <laughs> trying to kill ants with a magnifying glass? Why does that not come as a shock to me? Because I was a mean kid. You know, everybody was a mean kid back then. Not like today. Oh, let's protect the ants. They're good people too. We don't want to bother. Yeah, okay. What are you going to do? Let them in your house and eat in the corner? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, yeah, the ants are hungry. Throw them some bread. No. You know what? I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you let the ants come in your house and just take up residence in, uh, you know, in your living room? Do you? No. No, I don't let the ants come in my house and take up take up my living room. But in the same token, I don't go out of my way to go kill them. I mean, maybe as a kid I did something like that. I'm sure I did. I think every kid and little boy does something like that. But I never brought it to the level where I was bringing out a magnifying glass. Or if I did have a magnifying glass, I didn't have the patience to actually try to see one of those ants be killed through fruition with a magnifying glass. Okay. First of all, I did not say that I burned them with a magnifying glass. I said I'm surprised. You didn't do that. That's what I said. I never said I did it. Okay. So don't try to paint it like that. I did not take out a magnifying glass and burn the poor innocent ants. Okay? Hold on. Grumpy. Now I'm very confused. I swear that's what you were just saying. No, that's not what I said. Maybe you should actually listen to what I say for a change instead of putting your negative spin on it. That's an option too. Wow. It's going to be, we're getting off to a good start. Um, but there was some, and there was some specific New York Islander news, grumpy old man. I don't know if you call it specific, but there was some news. Uh, I would say there was a few things that were kind of specific to at least, you know, the outer situation. Um, Lou Lamarillo was sent a few questions through his, you know, his mailbox. They, you know, essentially this, they emailed over Lou Lamarillo a few questions and he was able to respond. And <laughs> grumpy. Now, did you have a chance to check out those emails yet or the, I, uh, the post by the NHL? I did. Uh, I would call the, the questions that were asked of Lou Lamarillo, I guess they would fall in the softball category for the most part. Yeah, I don't think he was answering all the questions that were sent to him, I'm sure. Um, but some of the ones, you know, what's your favorite type of cereal? I don't know. 
I mean, like, I guess someone's doing that in like a like to troll Lou Lamarillo, like, oh, hey, what's your favorite type of cereal? What's your morning routine? I can't imagine, honestly, anybody inquiring about Lou Lamarillo's morning routine or what's his favorite type of cereal. I know people are getting bored out there with no sports, but if I think you had a chance to ask Lou Lamarillo a question, it wouldn't be, what's your favorite type of cereal? Well, I have to say, if what's your favorite type of cereal and what's your morning routine made the list of questions to be posed to Lou Lamarillo, which ones didn't? Like, what's your favorite color? Uh, what brand of underwear do you use? Uh, when you wear socks, are they gold toe? Do you wear white socks? Do you wear black socks? Do you have any particular color? When you go to the barber, how long does it take to get your hair cut? I mean, are those the type of questions that didn't make the cut? Do you tip well when you eat at a restaurant? I mean, like there were a lot. Of, there were definitely a lot of odd questions. I don't mind. I mean, again, we're at a, a very dead time period for Islander and, and NHL news in general. So anything's better than nothing. But they did actually ask a few questions, or he did answer a few questions that I'm sure everybody had on their mind. I mean, he talked about Ia Sorokin. You know, do you have every intention on bringing him over? Of course, he does. Yes, we plan on bringing him over next season, etc. I don't. I don't think that was a shock. Um, and he said, if yes, grumpy. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't like a leading question like that. And that's what fans do. Oh, do you have every intention of signing Ilya Sorokin? Yes. It is our intention to sign Ilya Sorokin. All he does is just rechange the words and pop it out there. He was in mid season form answering these questions. I will say that he didn't give the fans any information, just like he doesn't give any, any information to reporters. So it's not like, uh, you know, except for the question of what he eats in the morning, it seemed like he did legitimately answer that one. Um, but any hockey related questions, it was more just rephrasing the question and, you know, with no ability to follow up, it's real easy to do that. Well, I will say this. I was not quoting the exact question, but when I did go ahead and read the questions, I kind of got that sense as well. They were not <laughs> – I'm sure there were some different worded questions that were also posed to Lou that were not answered um, and, and not even probably passed along to him. But uh, he also said, you know, if Matt Barzal had, you know, an offer sheet, if someone goes ahead and tries to go ahead and take Matt Barzal as a restricted free agent, would you go ahead and match, et cetera? It's like, we don't plan on having that happen, but if that were to happen, yes, we'd match, et cetera. So again, I mean, when you're sitting at home and you're responding back to this via an email, I mean, those are, they're pretty easy questions they had out of the park, but yeah, you're right. I thought he answered them all correctly. Um, there wasn't anything where I was kind of left scratching my head, but there wasn't actually a lot of substance in those questions or answers. So there was a lot of more general interest in Lou and his career in general. Like, oh, what's your favorite moment of being the Islanders general manager? I'm sure that some people do have those questions. But for myself and you, the grumpy old man, I'm sure we have more more pressing questions than those. Yeah, I'm going to just read some of these questions because I just find them humorous. I, I really do, as well as some of the answers. Um What's the most ridiculous thing a player has demanded in a contract negotiation? No one can demand anything out of the ordinary. All contracts are standard form contracts, except for the financial term and number of years. Well, we know that's <laughs> not true. When, when you read that right there, Grumpy, I'm letting you know. I'm like, my gosh. It, it almost sounds like he's got a PR team answering like, okay, this is what I kind of want to say. Go ahead and make it sound 100% PR approved or something of that nature because, my gosh, that's exactly what you'd, you'd expect like a lawyer to spit out at you or something. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I just – I find it – everything's a softball question for the most part. And whatever isn't a softball question, he just – you know, he's real good at just batting away questions. Here's another good one. How did you become a GM? And that's actually a legit question. But then did you go to school for it? I mean, I don't know. Are there any general manager schools out there? I don't think so. I mean, you know, do a little before you ask a question of a general manager, you should do a little bit of research. And I'm not, I'm not ripping the person who said it. Actually, I, I didn't even know it was a question. I, I laughed at a few of the questions where I was just kind of like, oh wow, I did not know something because I, I didn't stare at them or look at them too closely. But obviously, the Islander related ones I read a little bit more into. But you know, if they're a GM school, yikes. I mean, like that, that could be just a little kid or something like that asking because maybe he wants to do that when he gets older. Right. And then the aforementioned, you know, what's your morning routine? I mean, now he didn't say if he goes to the bathroom in the morning, you know, he said he gets up at five o'clock, workout, shave. 
I guess he doesn't shower, light breakfast, and then goes off to work and stops at a Starbucks. Of course, this schedule varies when on the road. I mean, I'm just, okay. I, I mean, maybe he didn't give us all the details, or maybe he did. I don't really know. Um, and then somebody asked him for any movie or book recommendations, and I didn't like a couple of book recommendations. I don't like it because it's the Islander way right now. Ego is my enemy, and the obstacle is the way. I mean, I, I, I could see why he said that, but uh, I wonder if these are actually people that put uh, actually asked these questions or if he just wanted to get these things out there so they just changed the name. This is a Lou Lamarill question. He's reading a book now. This is what the question is going to be. I'd be interested about that. Somebody asked what his favorite restaurant is on Long Island. I don't know. I'm just crazy. And here's a good one. How confident are you that you can re-sign our three restricted free agents, Barzal, Taves, and Pulak? We have every intention to sign all three. I mean, I love I, how he always says it like that. Every intention. I got all the intent. He said the same exact thing there with Matt Barzal. We've got every intention to go ahead and do that. I mean, you could tell he's been around a long time. He knows exactly how to answer these questions. And especially when they're asked via an email format. Oh, man, this is like softball then. I mean, I don't think he was going to be – I don't think any of those answers are deceitful because I think, you know, what he said is true. I, it's, those are pretty much no-brainers. Um, the only question, I guess, that was – even had a thin veneer of mystery behind it was the Ia Sorokin question. And the thing is, we all kind of knew that, yes, that was a plan since last summer when they signed Slamon Varlamov. And if they didn't go ahead and get Sorokin, it would have been a, a monstrous blunder. But, you know, so that wasn't really too much of a mystery. But all the questions were kind of things we already knew the answers to, except some of those odd non-hockey-related questions like what type of cereal does he like in the morning? Well, it just shows you how desperate we are for Islander news, honestly. And here's another one. that I, I, I enjoyed this one. And like I said, there is a method. I mean, you, there is a skill to answering questions and not giving any information or not offending anyone. Uh, I haven't learned that skill, obviously. But Lou Lamarillo certainly has. He's like, what is the biggest difference between running the Islanders compared to positions that you have with Jersey and Toronto? There are no real differences. There are more similarities than differences. For example, having the privilege to work with not only talented people, but great human beings. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, <laughs> I mean, did he just win the Academy Award? I don't know. Did he thank his agent? I don't know. I mean, it's just I don't know. It sounds like he's got a lawyer answering those questions. My gosh, I'll tell you that because, oh. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm happy I didn't read them too close, all of them, but all the all the questions and answers that were on that, uh, that web page. But... Nonetheless, it was a little Islander news, and it brought a little laughter in my day to kind of see some of those questions and answers. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, grumpy old man, you're right. We are starving for a little bit of hockey news or hockey anything right now, us Islander fans. Yes. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, we're just having a little bit of fun with the questions. And it is nice that uh, the Islanders did a Q&A uh, – well, not a Q&A, but did like a mailbag with uh, Lou Lamarillo. I mean, I don't know if other teams have done that. Um, but you know, it's just something, like I said, it made me smile, made me laugh. Um, maybe think, gosh, do people really think about questions like that? I don't know. Uh, That's the biggest thing I have. I'm like, do people really think about questions like these? I'm like, are these planted questions? But you know, that's neither here nor there. I've always kind of wondered that when you get like your, your strict questions where it's like some of these are like, who, who would ever think to ask a man this question? But you know, there always has to be somebody out there, I assume. Um, but I mean, you're, you're, I was kind of talking that Islander fans are starving for a little bit of, of Islander news and action. Well, Grumpy Old Man, we kind of alluded to this last podcast. We wanted to talk about the Mount Rushmore of Islander greats. Yes. And, and yeah, so I'll kind of let you go ahead and kick this off, Grumpy. Well, I just wanted to, you know, if I was asking a question, I would have said, Lou Lamarillo, um, do you think with his lack of production this year that average Anders was worth that seven-year contract extension? Do you feel he's earning that contract? I would like to see how he slew that, that one. That probably wouldn't have made the list, you know, as opposed um, to what you have for breakfast. I am sure there were some questions that maybe not that direct, but definitely had a little bit more of a punch and impact to them that were asked to Lou or sent for this, you know, uh, mailbag opportunity. But uh, we're not chosen out of, out of the long laundry list of questions. So I'm sure there were some questions like that that just didn't make the cut. 
Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, but those are the type of questions I would like to see asked and answered. Um, but you know, we got the fluff piece and there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, there's not. I mean, we're just, we're just having fun with it because I mean, again, I, I got nothing against Lou. I've got nothing against anybody. I'm happy that he even actually took the time to, to talk about it. I mean, remember when we had Garth Snow, my gosh, if we got an interview with Garth Snow or anything coming from him, it had to come directly from Arthur Staple. And like the few scenarios when it wasn't directly out of Arthur Staple's mouth, we're like, oh, wow, we get to finally hear Garth Snow speak about what the plans are for the team. And usually that would kind of leave us, you know, disappointed and upset. But I'm happy Lou at least did this, you know, hopefully just trying to bring up the spirits and, you know, try to get people thinking other things besides the coronavirus. Yeah. Well, if Garth Snow was answering questions, you know, well, you know, you asked him, you know, what are your plans for the team? I guess his answer is being truthful would have been, you know, to be bottom five of the league every year. I mean, <laughs> that's where they were when he was GM. And if Mike Milbury was there, uh, he probably would have told us some crazy story about going to the fans and beating, going to the stands and beating up fans. Or if anyone didn't like it, he, you know, poked their eyeballs out with hockey sticks. Who knows? Um, or how to single-handedly destroy a franchise you when, you, when you've got multiple Hall of Famers on your team and roster. You could just trade them away for pennies on the dollar, things like that. But, yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Mike Milbury, I will say, benefited from the not being in the time period of social media because I can only imagine the type of answers he would have given or the thought processes he had running through his brain for some of the moves that he made. And I can only imagine if there was more of a social presence back in that time period, how much more the fans would have hated Mike Milbury. I think you're wrong because every fan hated Mike Milbury. They did not need social media for that. And here's the thing. I met Mike Milbury. He's a nice guy. He's funny. Uh, I don't dislike him. I think he's a good color commentator. I, he was just a terrible GM and you know, okay. I, I'm not gonna. I am not a Mike Milbury apologist. It but, sounds like you're about to get on the. I'm a Mike Milbury fan right now. I like no, him as a guy. No, 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 no. But you know, you said what was your question? You know, what was the? Um, you said he benefited the most. The thing he benefited the most from was having Charles Wong as owner, who knew absolutely nothing about the game, and he was able to snow him, uh, so to speak. He was able to Garth snow him with his knowledge on how to build a team, but. That said, he didn't have any money to spend. They wouldn't give him any money. They, you know, he was operating on a shoestring budget. You know, when some of your best players are Brad Isbister and Marius Tchaikovsky, those are your big stars, Dave Scatchard and uh, guys like John Sim comes in and is a, a big star on your team. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, those are those are those are some mighty lean times. And, you know, in his defense, now of course he made some horrible trades. When you trade a future Hall of Fame goaltender in Roberto Luongo. Um, and a future Hall of Fame defenseman in Zidane Chara. <laughs> right. And, well, the, at least with the Chara trade, you got back Alexi Yashin, who had been a really stellar NHL player. It was a bad trade. But, you know, at least you were trading someone who had a track record. When you traded Luongo, you know, and Ole Jokinen for Mark Parrish and – the never-to-be-mentioned Oleg Kavasha, uh, that's about as bad. And everyone knew that was a bad trade as soon as he did it. I mean, you know, he liked Rick DiPietro um, because, you know, he liked his Boston attitude. Never saw him play, but he loved the fact that, you know, his great Boston attitude, you know. And my whole thing was, okay, you don't need to draft him number one overall. But that's the way the Islanders used to make news, by making stupid trades and drafting people who shouldn't be drafted when they're drafted. I mean, that was that was the biggest day for an Islander fan for a long time. The only day that you had to celebrate was draft day because yep. you weren't signing free agents. You weren't trading for any players who were worth anything. But you had those draft picks. Yeah, and that's, and that's why a lot of people are disenfranchised towards accumulating draft capital and actually trying to grow your team through the draft, I feel like. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I did think one last thing before we kind of talk about the Mount Rushmore of Islander greats, the, uh, a question in the mailbox for Lou Lamarillo was how do you go about scouting players that you want to go ahead and draft? How do you do – and he kind of like explained out the situation. How do you go ahead and evaluate talent, et cetera? And Lou Lamarillo said, we've got a great talent. Uh, we've got a great uh, scouting staff. You know, we trust them. Essentially, it was just kind of like toting the company line. 
But, um, it, you know, they're the same exact guys that we used to have under Gar Snow. So that's all I'm going to say there. Well, he is the company line. So, you know, I guess maybe if he was being truthful, he would have said, well, we look for players that don't have any skill. Um, you know, they can really look good at barbecues and stuff, team barbecues. But, you know, with no discernible talent that sets them apart from anyone else in the league. Um, you know, maybe that's what they could do. I don't know. But I just wonder if Matt Barzal was available to picked for them today, would the Islanders pick him? I'm going to say no. That is – that's a loaded question, Grumpy. I'm not sure. He was he was rated so highly, I'm not sure they could have passed over him. I'm honestly shocked that the Boston Bruins passed over him three picks in a row. Uh, yeah, but, again, I mean, we definitely benefited from that big time. Uh, but I want to kind of gear this back towards the Matt Rushmore of Islander greats, Grumpy old man. Okay, for the third time you're going to try to put that in. That's fine. I mean, it was something that I brought up. So it's probably going to be a really good idea, uh, you know, whenever we let TJ determine what we're going to talk about, you know, I don't know, stats or, you know, whatever it is, he like, you know, attend league attendance or stuff, boring stuff like that. I like that stuff that, that stuff that titillates my fancy grumpy old man. That's the type of things I enjoy occasionally. Ugh, Mr. Nuts and bolts over there. Okay. Um, all right. So let's, let's touch off the Mount Rush, Mount Rushmore. And or the four pillars of a team. And for me, uh, I kind of want to break it down into two things. I want to break it down to all time. And it's unfair, really, for younger Islander fans because most of them haven't seen the players that I've seen. And, uh, you know, so they just know by anecdotal evidence who are better players. But I also want to throw a second, a caveat out there best players since the year 2000 going forward. And I think that should actually be more fun for, you know, neophyte fans such as TJ uh, and probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast, honestly. Uh, so if you're cool with that, I think we should go for it. And I'm going to give you the floor first on who you think all-time Islanders because, I mean, I know talking – I know what I think I know what you're going to say for the most part, um, but I'm just wondering who your four all-time Islanders are. And then I'm going to give you my four, the 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 four that uh, you know are the correct ones. After I let you talk. Now you say my favorite, or are you saying the best? I'm going to say four. We can talk about favorites later because that has nothing to do with it. But we could no, we could talk about like the four pillars of strength in the Islanders all time. We'll just do all time first, and then we could do from 2000 on. We could do a whole podcast on favorite Islanders. I'm not even, even going to touch on that today because uh, that'll, that'll be a real fun podcast. You'll get a lot of people uh, that at least that I'll talk about that people, oh, yeah, gosh, I remember him, um, that people don't necessarily think are pillars of the team. But go ahead. I just want to give you the floor first, your top, top four all-time great Islanders in history. Well, uh, obviously you've got Dennis Pothin up there on the list. Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier, and now this might be a little different. Again, so I didn't watch this time period, Grumpy Old Man, and my time of, I guess you could say, looking at through the glass or through the lens um, and determining who were, you know, what I think the best players uh, of, you know, the Islander greats are not having actually watched these games live in 82-game seasons back then. Uh, this might be a little different, but Billy Smith. Okay, I'm surprised you said Billy Smith. I wouldn't have included him. I know last week when we talked off air, you mentioned Bobby Nystrom, which uh, was an interesting choice. I mean, he's known as Mr. Islander. I was thinking Bobby Nystrom as well, but then I was kind of looking back and reading a little bit about um, Billy Smith and just kind of like the way he, he controlled the net and everything like that and watching him. I mean, my gosh, nobody skated through the crease back in that time period. I don't know if it's just because the game was completely different. But, um, I mean, it was just – I don't. I just enjoyed his style. Yeah. Uh, Billy Smith uh, was I, – I don't think he's a great goalie all time, but he was a money goalie. And in a clutch game, you wanted him out there for certain. I mean, you don't win four Stanley Cups in a row without having good goaltending, and he certainly gave you that. Uh, gave you that. I mean, he's not – this was before the butterfly style of today, so he was a stand-up goalie. Uh, like most, but uh, he was a big game goalie, kind of like Grant Fuhrer was during the day with Edmonton, 
when they were winning all their cups, uh, very similar. There would be games, oh, you know, we give up a bunch of goals someday, but in the big moments, he came up big. And Billy Smith was like that too. Interesting choice. And uh, you mentioned Bobby Nice from Mr. Islander. I, I don't want to say I don't know anyone more clutch, but he is another guy in the big moments, always seemed to come up big, either with a hit, a fight, the goal, uh, the goal. But, I mean, that's not the only overtime goal he ever scored. Um, you know, but another guy, uh, just a great a great person too, really, honestly. And it's, you know, I could say for a younger fan, maybe saying Bobby Nystrom, I'm surprised you didn't mention John Tavares. Because, I mean, that's, and I'm just saying for you, because he was your first Islander uh, player. Well, he was he was the best since I've been born. He was the best Islander player I got to watch for more than you know a twenty game time period. I mean, think about it. Luongo was in and out. Zidane Chara was in and out. Yashin was kind of. I mean, he he performed a few years for the Islanders, but you know he's kind of towards the tail end. Um, you know when he got after a few years with the Islanders. Um, but you know John Tavares, you're right. He was supposed to be the savior, first overall draft pick. The guy who was supposed to go ahead and you know lead us from the depths into you know a team that's competing for the Stanley Cup. Now I I think again he's an extremely talented player, but am I talking about the Mount Rushmore of Islanders? You know maybe if John Tavares was still here and he was still going to play throughout his career the rest of this time period with the Islanders, I mean maybe he can make a case to be that number four in a slot depending on what they did. But you know when you leave the way you did, I'm afraid you just can't go up there in the Mount Rushmore time period. Well, then that's, I totally agree, but that's what we can talk about later. We're going to talk about from the years 2000 and up who your top four players are for the Islanders, which is really going to be even tougher to figure out. Honestly, you think about it, how bad we've been for so many years, but you know what? That's why we make it fun now for me. And I'm going to talk about these players. I didn't mention the other guys because, uh, that you discussed because they're all on my list. Uh, you talk about, uh, Denny Potvin. Uh, I want to say one of the top five defensemen in the history of the game. Um, just fantastic. Uh, doesn't get enough credit for being, uh, having the ability to pass the puck like, uh, like some of the flashier defensemen, but he was really, really good as a puck mover physical. Uh, he was able to play the game, any single style that you wanted. I mean, to me, Denny, like I said, Denny Potvin, one of the top five uh, NHL defensemen of all time. I mean, you can't do any better than him, honestly. And he was, uh, without a doubt, an absolute stud for this team. You think about how many years, uh, you know, he scored over 100 points. He had 90 points in two other years. And this is a defenseman, okay? I mean, he was a, a first-team all-star, uh, I think five times. He was a second second team all-star, I think twice. I mean, called a trophy winner, captain of the team, just like I said, the absolute definition of what I consider uh, a pillar of the team to be, honestly. And uh, that was Denny Potvin. Number two, um, and here's the thing, I'm not putting him in any order. Okay, first of all, I can't do that because the three players that are at the top for me, they're all they're all in the same the same the same uh, level. Yeah, they're they're obviously elite and they're franchise pieces, a hundred percent. Yep, and you got uh, Mike Bossy. Um, you know, just an absolutely spectacular winger, tremendous goal scorer. I mean, you think about the things that Mike Bossy did in the short time that he played the game, and when I, I mean, you know, he played ten years, ten years. That was it. And he was done with the back injury. I mean, but you think about how many times that he scored 50 goals. Do you know, how TJ, how many times he scored 50 goals? How many consecutive years? Any idea? I think it was 10, right? Uh, no, it was, nine. it was 9. Okay. It was 9, and the back injury cut him short of the 10th. No, actually, I'm sorry. It was 10. My mistake. It was 10 years in a row. It was first 10 years in the league. Oh, He's Grumpy. Look at me coming through, Grumpy. Come on. That's right. I, I, I knew he retired at the age of 30. Um, and I'm like, okay, 22 to 30. No, it was 21 when he started. Um, and he was another just spectacular. I mean, you scored 573 goals in your career. Uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, as is Dennis Potvin. Uh, like I said, I often said on this podcast that, you know what? 
he couldn't play on this on the team that we have right now because he didn't he didn't play enough defense. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, he was absolutely spectacular. What a fun guy to watch. Grumpy, I hate to interrupt you. I think it's only nine. I'm looking at it right now after you talked about it. It's only nine. Okay, he only so had. I, okay, so I was last year. He was cut short. He only played 60, 63 games and had thirty eight goals. I, I know he had thirty eight goals his last year. Okay, so it was nine years in a row. Okay, why was I thinking ten? Okay, I guess I was right. I don't know why I. I don't know why I changed what I said. Well, that's deflating for me a little bit. I was I was feeling on top of the world right there. I was like, oh wow, did I know a little bit of ancient Islander history that Grumpy did not know? Of course not. And like I said, uh, sanity has once again been restored to the podcast. The Grumpy Old Man did not make a mistake as usual. The only mistake was thinking that TJ was correct on something, um, but that has been rectified. And like I said, order has been restored. Um, but Mike Bossy. Just fantastic, fantastic goal scorer. I mean, you have to look at pure goal scorers in the league. I mean, he has to be one of the top ten all time. Uh, maybe even, maybe even top five as just a pure goal scorer. Um, you know, you look at the shot that he scored in the Stanley Cup Finals against Vancouver when he had both skates off the ice. I mean, just incredible. I mean, we could use a Mike Bossy on this team right now. That's for certain. Um, yeah, you're not kidding. Wasn't the most physical player, wasn't the greatest defensive player, but boy, he could score. And Al Arbor once said, you know, they said, well, gosh, Al, should we pick some ham and egger like Josh Bailey, or should we pick Mike Bossy or Simon? Should we pick uh, Josh Bailey or uh, Simon Holmstrom, or should we pick Mike Bossy? He's like, go with the goal score. He's got something that nobody else has, and he benefited. As of all the players that I'm talking about, they benefited from not being drafted until they were 20 years old. So, you know, you get to see the players for another couple of years. Um, it's not what not 18 like it like it is now. It was 20. So you get to see these, they're more physically developed. And I'm not saying it was easier to make picks, but you know, it certainly oh, I guess I am saying it was easier to make a more informed draft selection. You, you, you're you're right, grumpy old man. I mean, look at NBA and basketball. When they used to have players have to go ahead and play in college, what, until their junior season, correct? The same yeah. way it is with football. They were much more accurate with their draft picks, where now you see a lot of NBA teams, they draft and they're picking up these guys who are who are freshmen. Majority time, all the top picks are all freshmen or possibly maybe a sophomore sprinkled in. But really, they don't know anything. They're just all based drafting off the potential. And yes. I mean, that's what it all is now where you don't get to see kind of what the finished product is more of when they kind of grow into their bodies. So yeah, when you go ahead and play a little bit longer and you know you get drafted at an older age, you're going to have a little bit more information, obviously, uh, about the draft pick. Right. And, you know, that's, you wonder where Mike Bossy would have been picked when he was 18 um, because he was still a skinny kid at 20. Um, but like I said, he's on my Mount Rushmore. And my third Mount Rushmore player is someone else you mentioned, Brian Trottier, who I think is the greatest two-way center in the history of the game. I don't think there was anybody better in the two-way game than Mike Boss. He played in, uh, I'm sorry, than Brian Trottier. He played in every single situation for the Islanders, every single situation. Um, I think he's a six-time Stanley Cup winner. Uh, he went to Pittsburgh um, and was part of that uh, that group with Mario Lemieux. I mean, think about how many points he had. Like I said, he's also a Hall of Famer, of course. Okay, led the league in scoring uh, one year. He had 134 points, and he scored over 100 uh, six times. Is it six, I think? One, two, three, four. I'm actually – here's the thing, DJ. You're going to call me crazy. I am actually looking to see how many years, but I'm having trouble counting – one, two, three, four, five, six, six years with a hundred or more points. I mean, but he played, like I said, such a two-way game. At the end of the game, who was out there? You know how the Islanders put Casey Zizekas out there at the end of the game. Well, that was Brian Trottier. On the power play, who was out there? Brian Trottier. In the penalty kill, if they needed someone out there on a penalty kill when their regular guys on, who was it? Brian Trottier. I mean, he was a shutdown defender as well as just and absolutely, uh, just what a facilitator for Mike Bossy. I mean, what a line. Um, just a tremendous player. And like I said, after he left the Islanders in 1990, played uh, three years with uh, with Pittsburgh and was part of two cup winners there also. 
another Hall of Famer. I mean, so, you know, when you look at it that way, it's like, okay, you know, those are pillars of a franchise right there, those three. And, you know, since we had 16 guys that were all part of the four cup winners, I didn't pick another player. I went a little bit. I picked Al Arbor as the number four for me. Uh, his leadership, his development of that young team, uh, him knowing how to push the right buttons, that was Al Arbor. Um, he won, I don't know how many cups as a player. I know he had the four as a coach, but I want to say that he had four as a player also. Uh, he was an unsung player with Detroit and later with St. Louis. Um I think he even played for Toronto a little bit, but he was at a time with they were just the original six teams. So a guy like that who was really, really good didn't get to play in the NHL a whole lot. He bounced up and down with the AHL and the NHL because there was only so many spots in the league. And so a lot of great talent didn't really get a chance to shine, but he was a real solid defensive defenseman. And uh, he was part of uh, St. Louis, the St. Louis expansion team. Al Arbor and, won three Stanley Cups as a player. Okay, there you go, three. Well, I was I was right in between. I said two or four, it was three. So I covered my – I mean, if it was Vegas, I guess the over and under was three, and I picked – I don't know what I picked, but I missed it, but it was close. <laughs> uh, but I picked him as um, my number my number four. I mean, when you're second all-time in wins, or he was second time all-time in wins behind, uh, behind Scotty Bowman – you can't go anything wrong with that. So that's my four right there for all-time Islanders. Um, well, yeah, if we, if we exclude players and just talking about – honestly, I probably should have thought of that if we're thinking about the Mount Rushmore. They don't have to specifically be players. And I think you know it's it's good that you include there um, Al Arbor because what he did with the Islanders and his franchise is you know, it's second to none. It will never be – it will never be matched in the history of the sport again. Right, and you can't have, never underestimate – uh, the job that Bill Torrey did as general manager either. I mean, just phenomenal, pushed all the right, pull the right buttons. Um, and now I'm going to, I, I want to, and those are, I mean, I think that's pretty agreeable uh, who the top four were. You know, you had Billy Smith. You can't go wrong with Billy Smith. Um, you know, other guys left out. Like I said, I didn't, there were so many guys, you know, Clark Gillies, uh, who I didn't have on there. Billy Smith, Bobby Nystrom. I, I wouldn't put Bobby Nystrom as a pillar. Um, but I'm, I'm real happy with my list and I'm sure you're happy with yours. Anytime that you can put hall of famers in there, um, that's pretty good. You know, when, you know, you can't I'm go wrong. Hall of famers. Yeah. That's, I mean, again, it just shows the the rich history that, you know, the Islanders organization once had. Yes. Now I want to go, I'm going to go from, I want to ask the same question of you from the year 2000 and up. That's, you know, the majority of the people who listen to this podcast, that's probably the team that they've watched for the most part. Uh, you know, you're probably- not going to like these answers, Grumpy. And it's because we're really, uh, we really don't have a lot to pick from. It's slim pickings when we're talking about from 2000 up. What, you know, what are the, what are the faces of the New York Islanders? Are you just talking about the face of the New York Islanders from, you know, the four faces of the New York Islanders since the 2000s up? I was going to say the four. Uh, I, I'm not going to say faces, but like the four, the four best players or the four rocks of the organization, if you will, from 2000 up. And I'm going to tell you who I don't want to hear from you. Well, I'm going to let you listen. Grumpy, there's gonna, I'm telling you, there's going to be a person that you don't want on that list that's going to be on that list. Because if we're just talking about the longevity that they've been here, and even if you kind of look at the production, he okay. has to make the list. Don't say – well, it depends. It depends. I want to hear your list first. He's got to make the list, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. I, I don't know, but here's the thing. The grumpy old man is nothing but honest and fair. And fair. Okay? So I love, even, pre- I love how you try to preface it with that, but you're going to do something not honest and not fair. I just have that feeling, grumpy. That's not true. It depends on who you add, who you say, honestly. Okay. Number one's obviously got to be John Tavares. Since 2000 is up, he's got to be on the list. Um, you got to put Josh Bailey on the list. He's got to be there. I know you're not going to like it, but he's got to be there. Okay, I just looked at all the rosters we used to have, Grumpy. He's got to be on there. Um, I know a lot of people want to add in Kyle Ocposo. Sure. 
you know, you're kind of really scratching the bottom of the barrel. I'd give Kyle Ocposo and probably Travis Hamannick. Um, and the reason, again, I always loved Hamannick, um, a big physical defenseman. I thought he was a good defenseman as well. Um, I always loved the little gap he had in between his teeth, too. He took, I think it was a puck to the teeth or something like that. He was missing a few teeth there for a little bit. Um, but if we're talking about from the 2000s up, Grumpy, there just really haven't been a lot. I mean, if you look at all the line mates of John Tavares, those were really the guys who put up the points. And I'm sure as hell not putting Matt, Matt Molson and P.A. Parento on that list. It's just not happening. I, I'm not putting up Anders Lee right now. Uh, I, you know, honestly, looking looking at it, maybe Anders Lee deserves to be on that list. I, it, it's tough. It really is. Maybe Anders Lee deserves to be over John, uh, uh, Josh Bailey. I mean, obviously, Kyle Ocposo is gone, but a lot of fans love Kyle Ocposo. I thought he was a good right wing. I thought he could do good things with the puck. Kind of, He never really had the it factor at the end, though. I mean, if he had the finishing touch once he was able to go ahead and create, my gosh, you're looking at a guy who could be scoring 60-plus a season, 60-plus points a year. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely got to be John Tavares. And really, after that, I think it's all up to discretion of whoever it is. I mean, it, it can differ. But I do have Travis Hamannick on that list, Josh Bailey, and Andrews Lee. I'm going to take out. Kyle Ocposo, but Kyle Ocposo gets an honorable mention for me. Okay, your list is hideous, of course. Grumpy, your list is not going to be much better. It's tough. My list, let me tell you something. My list is going to be much better than yours. Way better than yours. What, are you going to get I, Sean Bergenheim or a guy like Franz Nielsen up there? Come on. No. Number one for certain is uh, John Tavares. Uh, number one, no doubt about it. Um, number two is Anders Lee for me. Yeah, I, I, after I was thinking about it, I got to throw Anders Lee on that list. I don't know why I didn't originally, but he comes up over Kyle Ocposo, So, Yeah. Um, then I'm going to go number three. I'm going to go Johnny Boychuk. Just a solid, great leader, all-around defenseman. Uh, How long has Johnny been here? And we've gotten really what was the remainder of his career. I mean, his the majority of his play was done with the Boston Bruins. Yeah, but in dark times, Johnny led the way in the defensive core. And I just – I think that he is – I mean, you're right. We've had some lean times since 2000, and that's why I thought that this was going to be fun doing from 2000 up, honestly, because I think that we were going to have different opinions for certain. And Johnny was the one – there were a couple of the guys I was thinking about, but Josh Bailey was never one, absolutely never Somebody is a Mount Rushmore. He's such a soft player. Like you're like building, I don't know. I mean, a little wave comes and it's going to wash away that sand that is Josh Bailey. I don't consider him made out of rock or stone. Okay. Absolutely not. And here's the last one. Charles Wong would be the fourth member of the Islander um, Mount Rushmore from 2000 up. Because, I mean, as bad as he was, was as an owner, not having the finances, if it wasn't for him, there would no longer be New York Islanders. See, Grumpy, you have got my ass twice on this podcast with this type of BS right here. We're talking about the Matt Rushmore, and I'm thinking we're talking specifically about players. And here we are switching it back up. And again, as soon as you mention a Matt Rushmore, I'm thinking about the players on it. I'm not thinking a holistic and a wide approach. But I, I think Josh Bailey has to be included in some capacity, Grumpy. And the reason why... You might not like him. He might not be the best player that's ever worn an eye on a jersey, and he's not. But when his career is said and done, he's going to have over 600 career points for the Outers, and he's going to have played – I mean, he's he's right now in his 12th season in the NHL, and he's right around 500 points. He, when all is said and done, he's going to have over 600 career points for the Outers. It's hard to say that he – if you're looking at right now the picture of the Mount Rushmore, he's not included. He has his disappearing act where he is completely invisible at times. And sometimes he really shows out, but I, I don't think you can just go ahead and completely admit him. Come on. I just you you said there is a place for Josh Bailey. That's true. He could be underneath. You know, like when they chisel the rock, he'd be the guy who sweeps up the debris on the bottom. Because I yeah. mean, that's all he does is you know, like I said, the king of secondary assists. You know, and here's the thing: you give Matt Barzal another two years with this organization, he's automatically on that list. Yes, I was about to say, the only reason I'm not putting Matt Barzal on that list just yet is because he's only been with the team for you know three seasons now. So it's hard to go ahead and say, yes, from 2000 on, he's a pillar. 
But, you know, if you're right. If he's there two more years, three more years, then he's automatically a pillar as well. And he goes hand-in-hand hand with John Tavares, in my opinion. Right. Maybe John with a slight edge. But, again, I think Matt obviously has a higher ceiling. And I have a question for you. You said I got you twice on this podcast with the same thing. Well, you know, just two seconds ago when we were talking about all-time Islanders, you say, oh, you got me with that. And then two seconds later, I get you with the same thing. I mean, I gave you the chance to pick first. You didn't rectify it. You let me get you once again twice in a row because you don't think. I mean, I think that's your biggest issue. You're too busy with your nose looking stats like Josh Bailey is going to have 600 points after playing for the team for 45 years. Uh, you know, well, he's got to be a Mount Rushmore. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He does. And I'm sure there are other fans out there that agree that if you're talking about from the 2000s on, I mean, come on. He's definitely a Mount Rushmore. But, yeah, Charles Wong actually – I'm actually going to one-up you. And now that you threw Charles Wong's name out there, he's higher than John Tavares, in my opinion. He's contributed more to this team than John Tavares has. John Tavares didn't do it. I mean, as much as, as talented as a player he is, and he definitely is a face. I mean, if Charles Wong didn't keep you know the franchise here in New York, I, we don't have a New York Islanders to talk about. And John Tavares, I mean, never won a play. I mean, he did win one playoff series against the Florida Panthers. But if you look at it, Really didn't do much in the playoffs. We never really brought our team to any sort of, you know, playoff caliber S type, you know, the playoff caliber status. And I mean, again, this season right now is postponed. But if the Islanders were to make this the playoffs this year, that would be two years in a row. And, you know, the first two seasons that John Tavares has been gone, that the organization has now made the playoffs. And again, okay. I don't think it's I don't think it's due to the players, because I think the majority of that has to do with the great coach and Barry Trotz. And he does he does a great job of maximizing what he has out there. But in the same token, that would be the second year John Tavares was gone and the second year that we've made potentially the playoffs. So, you know, now that we're talking Charles Wong, we've thrown his name in there. You're right. I, I obviously don't want to go back and forth on what I had already said. But, yes, Charles Wong definitely deserves to be on that list. Okay. For someone who doesn't want to go back and forth on what they said, that's exactly what you did. I know. I don't like doing it, but I had to. You know what? Just admit your defeat. That's what you should do. You weren't you weren't bright enough to come up with logical, realistic answers. You're too busy putting the Josh Baileys of the world on your all-time Islander team from the year 2000. It's only because he's been here for 12 years. Like I said, he's like a janitor. I mean, you're going to put the janitor on the you know the, the pillars of his high school? No, you're not. Just yeah, because, that you know, sweet janitor that's been working there for 50-some-odd years who's cleaning up trash with no recognition. And you're like, yeah, this guy's the backbone of our school. He's like one of those type of guys. You know what? The last time, the, the, you know what? It's like saying, okay, we're not going to include teachers as school, you know, the best teacher in school, even though that's what the job is. Okay. You know, Josh Bailey, uh, you know, all right, don't make me rip Josh Bailey because it's not my point. But, you know, I liked how I brought, you said, well, we brought up Charles Wong. No, you, no, we didn't. I did. Not you. <laughs> you. Now you're trying to take credit for something I did once again. I'm not surprised. I'm just telling you what you just did. Yeah. I mean, Good job trying to Bogart, you know, my, and you know, here's the thing though. Honestly, think about it seriously. You mentioned John Tavares didn't make the playoffs for two years. The Islanders made the playoffs two years without him. It's the first two years the Islanders have had a legitimate coach in how since when? Since Ted Nolan was there? I mean, think about that. And if think you also want to think about this, if Barry Trotz is continuing to be here and, and the success continues, Barry Trotz is up there. If he's here for another two plus years, he's up there as a face for the 2000s plus because we've had some really dark times. I mean, when I threw out Travis Hammond, and even when you threw out Johnny Boychuk, uh, those guys did contribute. But I mean, if you're looking at a, a successful or even a semi-successful organization over that time period, I'm not sure guys like Travis Hammond or Johnny Boychuk should make that list. No, they shouldn't. Um, and really, neither should Anders Lee. I mean, I put Anders Lee on there because of his leadership quality more than anything else, because he was really a product of John Tavares also. Uh, you know, you talked about P.A. Parento and Kyle Ocposo and uh, Matt Molson. everybody. They did nothing anywhere else. That's how good he was. That's when we, I mean, we lost him. And we lost a big piece. And kudos to Barry Trotz for, you know, losing the best player in the franchise, certainly in the last 20 years. And turning us into a playoff team. Like I said, you know, we rip on Barry for certain things, his inability to play young players, his punishment of Matt Barzal at the drop of a hat. But 
our self-inflicted injuries and we continue to roll, you know, short lines, short shift, the young guys, et cetera, but he's a great coach. You're right. Yes. Without a doubt, he's a great coach. Um, and you know, there's no denying that. And like I said, he's the best move that Lou Lamarillo ever made with, uh, that, uh, since he's been with the Islanders without a doubt. Yes, he is. That is for sure. Grumpy. Well, before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to say? Uh, no, I think this has been a successful podcast. We had a little laughs at the beginning. TJ was wrong as usual. And the grumpy old man once again spewed uh, tremendous knowledge about Islander history, uh, recent and past. So it's been a full podcast of the greatness of the grumpy old man and the failure of TJ as a host. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. If this podcast, we just try to do a few different things. Try to talk Islander hockey and make you laugh. And if we don't do one of those two things, I mean, it's been an unsuccessful podcast. But, you know, every single time we're able to accomplish both of those, we get some chuckles and we get to talk some Islanders hockey and, and throw up some abstract ideas. I think we've had a successful podcast. Agreed. And uh, thank you, Grumpy Old Man. And thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow us to go ahead and post this podcast on multiple multiple different platforms. Whether you listen to your podcast there on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google, or Stitcher, you can find your podcast on any host site that the Hockey Podcast Network goes ahead and posts the Never Say Die podcast. So very thankful for them. Very thankful for you, Grumpy. And very thankful for the listeners. Again, this is a time period when... Hockey is not taking place right now. Um, no sports. Uh, obviously, we're looking for content. We're looking for things. Uh, but we're very thankful for you guys who continue to listen to the podcast. It's a very big thank you to you guys. Thank you so much.